0: imagine when you were a child if one day you came home from school to hear that for the foreseeable future school was closed training was cancelled music lessons were cancelled parties and sleepovers were cancelled that's basically what's happened to our kids they've lost an awful lot in this crisis and we need to keep checking in and just asking them are you okay Hello, I hope you're having a good day and that there were at least pockets of your weekend that felt in some way restorative. On today's podcast, I'm speaking with Dr. Coleman Noctor. Now, he's a child and adolescent psychoanalytical psychotherapist at St. Patrick's Mental Health Services. He's also a dad, so he has a certain personal perspective he can bring into this too. We're talking about children and the sense of loss and grief that they are no doubt feeling at the moment and how we as the adults in their lives can best support them in that?
1: Adults and children will have different priorities and different value systems. So the the numbers that we check in at six every evening and seeing where the spread is and, and seeing what contagion levels are, that's not where the anxiety is for many children. For many children, the anxiety is much more parochial. It's much more local. And the idea that the the structure and the certainty that they had, as you said, one Thursday, they didn't have on Friday. There's a huge loss in that for them. The uncertainty around they were probably playing in a football league, they might have been doing well, and they don't know where that's going to be, or is that finished, is that gone? Their structure around their training or their classes or their lectures or whatever it is that they do, again, they're the things that they would lean on to cope with. If you remember childhood in the way that... Um, You know, playing and socializing was a way in which you just de-stressed from things. It's how you coped. It's how you learned. I mean, the idea of isolating from your peers and and again, it's the suddenness of it. And again, the uncertainty of not having a a definite date of when things will resume back to normal. If adults are struggling with that, well, then we can guarantee that children are too. Mm. And again, I think from the point of view of children's struggles may not be as obvious or as certain. They may just be more withdrawn. They may be struggling to sleep a little bit more than usual. They may just appear more generalizedly anxious about things. Or they may even be irritable and cranky. And that might not just be about the isolation. That might be more to do with their conceptual understanding of what's happened and what is going to happen next. And I, again, I think the issue around maybe letting children kind of struggle with this on their own and only address it if they if they address it with you is maybe misguided. I think the idea of asking them how they're finding all of that. And again, not so much about COVID-19 or about viruses, but about the change in lifestyle, how they're adjusting to missing their football. And people maybe aren't keen to bring that up because they don't want to upset the child. If the child is missing training and missing their peers and missing their structure, they're going to be upset anyway. Mm. But what I would say is sometimes, they can have sensationalized or catastrophic ideas around what's happening. And they may be battling with that on their own. And it's important that they get the information from you, which is more measured, certainly more positive, and offers some degree of known to the unknowns um, that would be more helpful than leaving them with that on their own. And again, being able to speak about what they're worried about will cause a decrease in the behavioral expression of that. So this this saying, Where language fails, behavior takes over is an absolutely good idea. And it's a very good concept because the more we're talking about it, then the less we have to attain kind of visibility or attention through means of behavior. And so I would say talk to them, listen to what they have to say, but actually align, see it from their point of view, see it through the eyes of the child their concerns are different to yours naturally so and their worries therefore are going to be different to yours as well but this is huge for young people the, the abruptness of it the loss and the grief involved in what they're going through is um is fairly significant and they don't necessarily have the life experience to have developed the life skills to manage it in the way we as adults can so um yeah spare a thought for them and just because i know we're worried about big things and we would see Big issues around staying healthy and about mortgages and jobs and careers. Their football training, their league, their friends and their peers are big things to them. And I just think we can maybe undermine that a little bit because we impose adult worries on childhood life. And um, I'm not so sure that's probably the best way to approach it.
0: The things that normally we would do to help children to cope with anything, like let's go down and visit your granny or let's go and, you know, go to the cinema or something. Those things just aren't available. So all the usual kind of coping strategies are just gone.
1: Yeah. And again, the things that we would lean on normally during times of stress and uncertainty are kind of not available to us. The only thing available to us at the moment is our families. Yeah. And therefore the, even our immediate families and oftentimes grandparents and things like that who would have huge roles in children's lives are now waving at us through windows and we can't see them and we can't speak to them. And children oftentimes will think, is this something I've done? Do you know what mm. I mean? In terms of, are they not saying hello to me because they don't, they're don't? they cross at me? Or you know, they can have fairly skewed Ideas or perceptions of reality, and that's why talking about it is important to kind of iron out the creases of those, so they don't have kind of uh, false or unhealthy beliefs around their own responsibility and all this. But um, but absolutely, a lot of the things that we would ordinarily lean on, and I I work in a, in a hospital with with young people, and there's adults there as well. And one of the the main sustaining factors of that experience is visiting. So when their parents and family visit. And with COVID-19, that can't happen at the moment. Oh, so God. these children are really struggling and parents are really struggling and the things that they would normally do to support each other are they're having to do it through on phones and things like that. Mm. So the, a lot of the things that that we would normally lean on to keep ourselves mentally healthy are inaccessible at the moment. And uh, it means that the onus on families and immediate families to be everything for everybody is is greater. But uh, I, I do believe that we most of us are, are ready for that task and are able you need to instill some belief in our own ability to reassure children, to keep them safe, to keep them positive uh, and not allow them to get overwhelmed and, and in the process, not allowing ourselves to get overwhelmed either.
0: What's coming through to me is like oftentimes our default strategy can be, well, let's not talk about the difficult thing. Let's just distract ourselves. Let's just do something nice. But in this instance, especially if children are of an age where they don't really have the language to articulate what it is they're feeling. You know, it is incumbent on us to confront the difficult thing, to name it, to give it a space.
1: Yeah. And, and children are, are part of this conversation. Do you know what I mean, they're yeah. affected by it directly. Um And it's not something that we can spare them a kind of a context to. Uh, And it's, again, not about overwhelming them with details or catastrophic kind of fantasies about what's going to happen or could happen. Mm -hmm. It's checking out how they are and trying to just, uh, again, readjust and gain some momentum and traction around their own optimism and keeping them focused on the things that will Will, that, that this too will pass and things will resume and that you're in it together. And and as a parent, if you're just kind of saying almost like approach parenting, like a roller coaster, you know, yes. you're, you can't guarantee that you won't get scared and you can't guarantee that it's going to be smooth, but you can just guarantee that if we huddle in together here, we've got each other and we will get through it. Yeah. Um, and again, you're not making false promises, but you are promising presence and you're promising support, and you're promising that a a team effort will do better. And I think when it comes to parenting children through this, that's the approach we need together, because together we are stronger. And when we're on our own in this, it feels way more isolative than just the social isolation guidelines. So Mm. the more we talk about it, the more connection we have, and the more support we can give each other then we're going to come through this okay.
0: Could you synopsize that into some kind of practical advice for parents who may be looking at their children thinking, God, you know, they've really lost a lot in the last couple of weeks?
1: I think the first thing to do is to recognise it. So to see it from your child's point of view, the fact that they lost their dance classes on a Wednesday is not a big deal for you in the consideration of of perspective. to, To them, it's huge. So it's about seeing their world through their eyes and and empathizing with them from that point of view, um, and not minimizing it uh, and mm-hmm. saying sure that's not a big deal. There's people out there dying. It's that's not how children see the world. You have to get, see their loss within the relative to their experience. Yeah. The second thing is that you share the, the the discomfort of it and say this is awful for all of us, but we've got to make the most of it, and we've got still got each other, and we've still got things that are normal, and we need to to lean on the familiar rather than concentrate on the unfamiliar. And most importantly, it's just ensuring that they have a sense of this too will pass and that this is temporary. And it's the finiteness of things that sometimes um, can make us overwhelmed. And um, you know, we don't know when, but the more, and, and encourage that we all have a responsibility in it, that if we continue to wash our hands, if we continue to socialize, isolate, we will shorten the length of time that our football won't be on and making a connection to actually rewards that matter to them.
0: I think it's so easy for any of us to default to a sort of protection mode where we want to shield the children in our lives from the seriousness and sadness of, I mean, anything, but particularly something as potentially intense as what we're all experiencing at the moment. I think Coleman's advice, though, is so empowering, really, because it reminds us that we have the chance to effectively hold our children's hands and guide them through this, showing them that like we too feel scared and we too feel sad sometimes. And You will feel scared and possibly sad, no doubt sad at times again in the future. But there's strength in us as individuals and in our family units and friend groups to weather tough times, to support each other through them and to come out the other side. I think it's a really, as I say, empowering message. I'm Jan-Lee Lanagon. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again tomorrow and in the meantime, mind yourself. You can keep up to date with this podcast and find new episodes each day on rte.ie or wherever you get your podcasts. If you or someone you know is struggling with their mental health at the moment, please access helpline information at rte.ie forward slash helplines.